0: All right, well, let's jump into God's word this morning. First John one nine who can quote that this morning? Several of you, I bet. First John one nine we've been we've been uh, we've been talking about bitterness and then we talked about forgiveness and we talked about last week we talked about the fruit of forgiveness. And we talked about some tests in there of have we truly forgiven someone? As far as if can you if you can't pray for someone, then obviously you haven't forgiven them. Uh, one of the things that I, I sort of mentioned it last Sunday, but one, or last Wednesday, but one thing I thought about in that is obviously you're you're trying to. We mentioned uh, uh, to. Uh, uh, I'm looking for the word. I'm trying to think of um, to resolve the issue. But you want to, you know, y- you know, we mentioned several times. If what, well, well, what if that person doesn't, what if that person doesn't forgive you? What if they don't want re- to reconcile things with you? Then uh, we're still that doesn't change how you're to react to that person. It doesn't change your responsibility. And in that, one of those things that, that you could say, when we mentioned, we mentioned, if, if you can't pray for them, then obviously you haven't truly forgiven them and let it go. And so the purpose of that prayer would be, if, they, if they're not going to get right, it, it may be that that person's not even a Christian. Uh, you want to be in a condition where you can pray for them in that way. It may be that, they're a carnal Christian, or it may be that they're an unsaved person, you say, why do they act like that? Why won't they get right with me? Well, it could be that they're not right with the Lord. So what's their need? Well, their need would be for you to pray for them that they would be right with the Lord, whether they're a Christian that needs to get right or an unsaved person that needs to be saved. And so uh, we've talked about forgiveness and conditions of that and how to go about that with one another. And and so I thought it'd be good to sort of spring from that, and, uh, you know, we've mentioned all along, and we've mentioned some of this as we've went, of our our need to be right with the Lord is contingent on, you you can't have conflict with one another and then claim to be right with the Lord, but then in that, uh, what if we offend the Lord, what if it's not a conflict with somebody else, what if it's a conflict between you and the Lord, You've disobeyed him. You've broken his law, of course. So what we want to talk a little bit about today is seeking God's forgiveness, and I wrote this part into the title, as a Christian, right? We understand that there needs to be repentance and and acceptance of Christ's free gift of salvation, uh, faith in him, all of that when a person gets saved. But we want to talk this morning about... um, How do we continually deal with sin in our life as a Christian? How many of us have sinned since we got saved, right? And so we understand that, and we're going to talk about that a little. Uh, We're not asking forgiveness when we think about this. Let's read the verse, 1 John 1, 9. Many of you could quote this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Isn't it interesting that those words are plural? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we're not, in this case, who's the Lord speaking to? Well, in First John, he's speaking to Christians in this case, right? And so we're not asking God for salvation. This is contingent on that you're already saved. When we get saved... Do we ask God for forgiveness of individual sins in our life? No, we don't. A person goes to get saved, you're going to get sat down and, you know, they're 30 years old and they're going to sit there and name, Lord, forgive me for when I did this and for when I did that. No, you're, you're just admitting the fact to God that you understand you are a sinner that's heading toward hell and you need his forgiveness. But now that we are Christians, we do confess our sins, plural. Now, sadly, they usually are plural, aren't they? <laughs> They're multiple sin because we have a sin nature. So when we think about this, we're not talking about asking forgiveness to go to heaven. If you're saved, you're already going to heaven. You're all, that's already settled, right? Uh, we're not, staying in, we're not uh, praying so that we'll stay in a right standing or position with the Lord because that's already completed through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already done that work in us. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that uh, the moment you are saved, God has placed his Holy Spirit within you. And the Bible says through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the indwelling dwelling of the Holy Spirit, you are saved and sealed until the day of redemption, until the day that you're with him. And so we're not talking about salvation in this case. We're talking about how to deal with sin as a Christian because we will still offend, we still... So we're not saying that we're asking to be in right standing or position. We already have that as a Christian. What we are saying is when we ask God's forgiveness as a Christian, we are asking forgiveness to stay in right fellowship with him. Right fellowship. When we get saved, we still have our old sin nature to contend with, don't we? Now, I'm going to slow down now on this, and we've got several verses we're going to look at, and I've I've tried to do this on purpose, as we've talked about bitterness and forgiveness and all of those, we've went from verse to verse to verse to verse, and I want you to follow along, and we're going to stay to this, it's supposed to be Wednesday in the Word, so we're going to get in the Word, okay? And so I want you to, it's good, can I just... uh, quote them off or read them off real quick to you, sure. It's, it's better most of the time if you can read it for yourself as we go along and then we'll talk about it. And, and it's going to be just like we have been doing. If wherever we get to when it's time to go, that's where we'll pick up the next time unless the Lord comes back to take us home, then it won't matter, right? Let's turn over to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five say, Pastor, this is really basic. Listen, we all need to be reminded. Bitterness and forgiveness should be basic in the Christian life, to not have bitterness and and be forgiven, But we struggle with those things, don't we? (laughs) How many of us struggle with sin in our lives daily? Well, we all do. Whether we've been saved five minutes or 50 years, we still struggle. And so we need to remind ourselves, keep turning these things over in our mind and keep it right. When we ask God's forgiveness, we're praying to stay in right fellowship because we we still have why, why why do we get out of fellowship? Well, we still have an old nature, our flesh to contend with. Paul said that. He 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 said it about himself. He said everybody struggles with that. Now we're going we'll, we'll I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll keep talking about it, but look at Galatians chapter 5. We'll start about um verse 16 it says this I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would right we still have a sin nature we'll be we'll have that sin nature till the day that we're with the lord whether that's through death or the lord jesus comes back right now, when we get saved, God gives us a new nature. A nature, a desire to serve Him, to live for Him, to honor Him. But we still have that sin nature in us, don't we? That's why I say if, if we could never, if we never sinned again from this day forward, we never committed another sin when we died, we'd still be a sinner. Why? Because we still have that sin nature within us, right? And Paul says. Um, if we are led, he says, verse 18, but if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. So if we, we have a choice, either we're going to follow after the flesh or we're going to be led by the Spirit. He says the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery and fornication and cleanness and lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings. Murders, drunkenness, revelings, and and such like. That's a pretty wicked list of things, isn't it? And by the way, you remember, hatred, variance, wrath, strife, all of those things we discussed also were included in there with bitterness, weren't they? And so uh, he gives us this list. If you follow after the flesh, then you'll reap those things in your Christian life. Who's he speaking to? Well, he's talking to Galatians. These were... The church in Galatians, these are Christians. He says, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, can we do those things in, in the Christian life? Can we commit those kind can we commit hate in our own heart as a Christian? Sure. And he says, well, they're not going to go. He said, well, there you are, pastor. If you do any of those, you're going, you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to hell. No. That has the idea of continuing it. If you're continuing in that, you never let it go, then maybe you weren't saved in the first place. We'll, we'll talk about some of that. He says, but now here's the fruit of the spirit. Let God lead, and here's the fruit: love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh in the affection with the affections and lust. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if we're saved, we ought to live that way. He said, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And so we have a choice. We either follow after the flesh or we follow after the Spirit. Right? You say, well, if if we all struggled with it, and Paul had talked about the fact that he struggled. He says sometimes, let's turn over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, Romans, Romans, chapter, Romans chapter 6, <clears throat> he, he's speaking here in Romans, of course being justified by the blood of Christ that we're no, under, no longer under the law, but he says verse 1 of chapter 6, uh, what shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Right? Just because we're saved, you say, well, I'm saved, I'm sealed, I'm going to heaven, so I'm I'm able to, I'll just do whatever I want to do and live how I want to live, and it doesn't matter. No, no, no. He says, verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's how it ought to be. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. He says, "'Now if any man be in, be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him, for in, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord.'" Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." You say, Well, I'm under grace, and so it's okay. It doesn't matter. No, he says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He says, God forbid. And so, we're not saved. The Bible tells us that when we get saved, we're free from sin. We're not saved to sin. Well, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Uh, no, we're not saved. To be able to sin and do whatever we please, we're free from sin. We don't have to be a slave to sin. Uh, so as we think about this, so uh, in this, God tells us that we are to, uh, he, he, he understands that, right? He knows that we're going to struggle. Paul said the things that I, uh, many times that I want to do, I don't. Many times the things I don't want to do, I end up doing We all struggle with the flesh, but that's not a license to sin. That's not an excuse to sin. God gives us a way out. We just read the verse. If there there weren't any other verses in regards to that, God gives us the one verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, in this matter of confession and repentance, you say, Pastor, does it really matter if I really confess my sin? Well, number one, God commanded, God has always commanded his people to confess, to repent. It's commanded by God. God tells his people to repent. He commanded Israel in the Old Testament to do that. 2 Chronicles 7 14, right? If my people, what are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then what? Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, look over in Jeremiah eighteen eight. So God tells Israel, if you confess your sin, you'll be right with me. Now were they still? Were they already His people? Sure. But were they in right fellowship with him? No, they were actually. uh, He made made that provision in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 for when they were right with him. He knew there were going to be times that they were struggling. And he says to them, Solomon, dedicate uh, 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 the temple. and, And he says, now there's going to be a time when you're not right with me. And when that happens, if you turn to me, and humble yourselves and pray and forsake yourself, then I'll hear you, and I'll forgive you, and I'll help you. I'll heal you. Look at Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 8. He says, If that nation against whom I have pronounced turned from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28, in verse 13. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso what confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So there's a pattern there in the Old Testament that God says if you want to be in a right relationship with me, if you want my blessings, then you have to first repent of your sin and ask my forgiveness. He says, confess your sin. Uh, it's commanded to, not only Israel in the Old Testament, it's commanded to Christians in the New Testament, isn't it? We just read First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But what do we have to do? You say, pastor, that sounds like a contingent there absolutely <laughs> what do we have to do confess our sin god says until you confess it right now does god need to know that you're sinful does god need you to tell him what all you've done wrong now, he already knows it right who's this for for us to realize that we've done wrong our admittance of our sin right he tell, look at James chapter 4. I told you we are going to jump around a bunch. James chapter 4. <clears throat> Y'all ever end up get? I, I haven't done that. Thankfully, I've got my, I was thinking about that. You ever get another, you have one Bible that you can just, when I say that, you can just flip right to, boom, boom, boom. And if you had a different one, you'd be going, James, is there a book of James in here? James chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, verse 8, Draw nigh to God, and he will what? Draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. James doesn't play around, does he? Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall what? Lift you up. It's so... There has to be a measure of confession, of repentance, in a right attitude of repentance. Look over in uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. Well, verse 4, he tells the church in Ephesus, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, he talks about how they labored and were patient and hadn't fainted in the midst of all trials and tribulation and how they served the Lord. He says, nevertheless, though, he says, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. So what's their solution? He says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and what? Repent. And do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou, what? Repent. And so God commands us to, as it were, get right with him, right? So there's confession and repentance. You confess to the Lord, we'll talk about that. You confess to the Lord you're wrong, but it has to go further than that, doesn't it? You can't have confession without genuine repentance if you want to be in right fellowship with the Lord, okay? We're not here, we're not, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but we're not Catholic, okay? We're not just confessing what we've done for the time or for the week. Lord, I did this, 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 and this, and we'll talk about it. The real repentance has the attitude of, I'm not going to, I don't want to go back to that. Confession is just an admittance that you did it, right? You ever had that with your children? They've got chocolate all over their face Did you get into the cake. Well, what are they going to say? I mean, they might say no, but obviously they've done it, right? Or, or, you know, you're just caught in the midst of you're wrong. What else can you do but say, yeah, I did it, Right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're sorrowful, sorrowful for it, right? They might say, yes, mommy, I got in the cookie jar, and it was good. And when you're not here, I'm going to get back in it again. That's not, that's not real repentance, is it? That's just a confession that you did it, right? And so as we think about confessing our sin... It should be done really on a daily basis. Why would I say that? Because we tend to sin on a daily basis, don't we? Um, Look at John chapter 14. The the illustration of that is seen in the upper room. You remember Jesus is... Not going to be much, in John chapter 14, he's not going to be much longer on this earth. Um, from 15 to 17, he sort of gives his last, last thoughts to his disciples as he heads to the Garden of Gethsemane, as he goes from the upper room and and the, um, uh, the Passover supper with the disciples and heads toward the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he gives them direction and instruction and things he shares with them. But in the upper room, something occurred that was really um, really shocking to, 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 you know, as it happened to most of them there. He says, uh, excuse me, I said 14, didn't I? Uh, 13. And in the supper, the Bible says, verse 2, so they're there in the upper room. He knew that his hour had come, verse 1 says, John chapter 13, verse 2 says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon Atraeum, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he pours out into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And of course, we know this is a lesson on servanthood, on humility. There's a, I've got a whole, actually, it could be developed into a series of lessons from the Last Supper. Uh, but he, Bible says that he washed their feet. And in verse 6, he says, Then cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, Dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I've washed thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands. and my. He said, Just give me a bath then. I want everything to do. And Jesus said what? He that is washed needeth not saved to wash his feet but is clean everywhere with, and ye are clean but not all of course the bible tells us that he knew who would betray him and speaking of judas there but he tells him you're already washed but there's a need to be continually washed isn't there the illustration there, scene of a daily cleansing right how many ever been to the beach Or the Christian version, the coast, and you walk. You had your flip flops or your sandals on, right? Or no shoes, right? What happens when you walk on the beach and you get back to the car? Sand everywhere. But are your feet just got sandy, or how would you describe your feet at that time? Filthy, right? And you can't, like you say, you really got to work to get it cleaned off. It hangs with you, right? Um, uh, <laughs> and so you have to clean up. If you go out every day, guess what? You're going to have to wash your feet every time you go out. Well, God tells us that we're to be light in a dark world. or to be out in the world but not part of the world, right? Uh, James says, what is a pure religion and undefiled is this, to that you help the fatherless and widows and keep yourself, what, unspotted from the world. We'll be in the world, but not be content. But but while we're out there and our flesh is there (laughs) and we struggle, we get a little bit dirty every now and then, don't we? Anybody ever had that happen? Say the wrong thing. How many ever out in the world and you're just perfectly patient and kind and, Never say it, never, <laughs> never have somebody pulls out, you know, let's be the test of that, somebody pulls out in front of you. Uh, ladies of grace, somebody walks. I guess their version would maybe be, I know many, uh, all y'all still drive, but uh, somebody cuts in front of you at the grocery store. Y'all love it when, they, how many y'all loved, I don't, I, I can't say that. The only time I ever go to the grocery store is snack time. If you ever see me, at the grocery store. And I think Jimmy might be that way too. Me and him hang out and buy snacks and talk at the grocery store sometimes. But it's hard enough to have to deal with that. How many of y'all love all the price hikes that are going on? Anyway, see, I'm giving y'all bad spirit now. And then you get up in the line and somebody cuts right in front of you, right? I remember during the COVID time, I'll say this, and whoever that guy was will be listening to me on the internet. <laughs> I don't know who you are. We were We were at a, a a department store one day, and we bought a couple things, and it was during the COVID time, and everybody, you know, walked around scared, and had their mask on, and had all the little lines painted on the ground, you know, whatever, six feet, like that germ couldn't, virus couldn't go six feet from one person to the next, and I remember one day I went to go vote, and they walk up to the table, and here's this eight foot table, and there's this little tiny piece of plexiglass about this wide and about this high, and I'm standing above it. And the lady says, "Just hand me your card." And I was was like, (laughs) and she knew what I was thinking and shit, and we both started laughing like that little piece of plexiglass was really gonna. And I'm standing there in line one day, and I'm I thought I was doing all right because. You know, a shopping cart's about four or five foot long, right? Am I right on that? Pretty about, about four foot. And I'm standing behind it, and there's a guy in front of me. You could just tell he was nervous as a cat. And all of a sudden, he turns around. I'm just minding my own. For the first time ever, I was being quiet, minding my own business. And he turned around, and he said, Sir, could you not move back like that? And I went, what? Now, my flesh, now what did I do? I went, yeah, sure. I stepped on back, and he, and the whole time I stepped back, now I'm like eight feet now, eight, nine feet away from He's going, whoosh, 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 like he's got to get away from me and get out of there and all that. Now, I just stepped back, and I, and I just stayed calm and held real good to the cart. But my flesh, When he said, would you step back? My flesh wanted to go. (laughs) What? (laughs) But I knew that. (laughs) But we don't always do the right thing, do we? I'm just saying our flesh is very easy to flare up, isn't it? And we can get, as it were, contaminated. And so God knows that and he understands that and he gives us a way to deal with it. And the first thing we need to do is admit that, Maybe we're wrong in some situations. <laughs> and so as we think about this, so there's a need for a daily cleansing in there. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. So God has made a way for us to be clean through his word, through the guidance and direction of the, and leading of the Holy Spirit. And obviously the crucifixion of the flesh. So as we think about confessing our sin, what's the first thing we need to do? Get, let me give you a little practical things here real quick and then we'll have to continue next week. <laughs> Number one, admit you're wrong. You have to admit it, right? There's no, if, I, if I confess it, I still have to admit that it's wrong. That it's sin. Let me ask you, can you confess something without really admitting that it's wrong? Husband, I'll, I'll jump on the, this will get all of us that are married, have been married or are married, right? Husband and wife have a big blowout argument, right? And one or the other has to go back and say, I was wrong. So there's going to be confession time, Okay. Listen, honey, I'm sorry I said that, and I shouldn't have raised my voice and said it like I said it. But now, if you wouldn't have done this, this, and this, and said this, I wouldn't have had to raise my voice, and I wouldn't have lost my temper. What is that? That's confession without real repentance, right? Y'all with me on that one? You have to admit that you're wrong before you can get right. All right. and so we have to admit, yes, I can be in the wrong. Yeah, I'm in the line. The guy yells, at, "I would have to admit it if I'd have yelled back. I'd have to say, yeah, my flesh was wrong too." Um, and we have to understand that. I mentioned that uh, in regards to prayer. You say, why do people sometimes act like? And I don't know if that guy didn't know anything about him. Still don't. But it could be that some when we think about things in the world. Can you imagine, uh, in, during the COVID time, none of us knew what to think. What in the world is going on? And uh, uh, All this stuff. Can you imagine going through that as an unsaved person without the Lord in your life? How scary that could be? So while they act like that, it could be that they're not saved. So we have to understand those things, that we're to behave a certain way and expected, commanded by God to live a certain way as Christians. And so he commands us Uh, to uh, confess sin. And so in that, we have to first admit our wrong. Let's go back real quick to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. He says... Verse 7, says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we do what? We deceive ourselves. And then the truth's not in us. He says, But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Right? So we just need to admit, we've already admitted when we got saved that we were sinners, and we need to understand and admit as Christians, we do sin. So for us to be right, to truly have confession, there first has to be an admittance that we're wrong. And we have to realize, and I'm just going to mention these two and we'll come back to it. We have to realize that sin is, is, yes, it affects those around us. Yes, it affects us. But any sin is ultimately against God. We have wronged God. We have disobeyed him. What did Joseph say? And we'll go back to this. What did Joseph say in Genesis when Potiphar's wife is there tempting him? She says, he says, how could I do this? Your husband's put me in charge. No, I'm in over the whole household, except for him. You know, there's nobody as powerful me in this house than him. He says, how could I do that against him? And, and sin against who? God. David says in Psalm 40, 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned. So when we say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, act the wrong way, react the wrong way, we're sinning against God, and we have to be willing to admit that so that we can then deal with that. Who are we getting ready to confess to and repent to? Well, God. He's the one that's been offended, right? And then we admit, excuse me, not only admit our wrong, but acknowledge specific sins, Okay, and that, and that could be sins of commission, things we've committed that we know we've done wrong. Could be sins of omission, something we all know God wants us to do and we are in disobedience. We're not doing it, right? But be specific in that, okay? We're not talking, and we'll, <laughs> we'll have to come back, but we're not talking about, Dear Lord, forgive me for anything wrong I might have said. Forgive me for any bad thoughts I might have had. Is that genuine confession of sin? It's a very short, shortcut, isn't it? <laughs> and the Lord says, Hey, which sin would that be? Which time? Now he knows who who needs to understand it? You and I. So it's not forgive me for what I've said wrong, Lord. Is forgive me for how I talked to her when I said this, this, and this. Or forgive me for what I said to so and so when this, this, and this happened. Be very specific in our prayer. Acknowledging to ourselves that we have done this specific sin against God. All right, so we'll talk some more about that. So y'all got to. Wait till next week to figure out how to deal with sin in your life. Just get right with the Lord. How's that? <laughs> we'll pick it up next week, Lord willing. Um, All righty. Well, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Any other requests anybody has? All righty. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Groob if he would pray for us. Would you pray for us, my friend, and dismiss us today?